It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, good day. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're listening live, we are very happy you're on board. If you're listening by podcast, I think you're going to enjoy the show today on, on love. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about schools of evangelism that I'm offering in possibly your home church or other churches. They're, they're in two formats, actually three, part one, part two, part three, two about three hours, four hours for each one. You can either be get one or three, test them out. But basically, it's about presenting Christ to people. You know, I had a when you get interested in evangelism, God gets interested in you. That's that's one of the things I, I really believe. I think when you when you begin to be concerned for others, I think that excites God. I, I was driving down the freeway uh, years ago, and I pulled over, and a Hispanic guy was walking along the road, a young kid. I pulled over. And we had a great conversation. I brought him home with me, and he actually lived with me for about a month. And he received Christ, and I began discipling him a little bit. And he went back home to Mexico and became legal, came back up here, went through some training, went back to Mexico. I'm not going to give his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but, but it's for real. The man now leads a small denomination of between 40 and 60 churches in Central America, Mexico, and the U.S., and in fact has two large churches in the state of Washington. I picked him up hitchhiking. <laughs> That's how it's done, folks. And and so this uh, school of evangelism, I, I share some of those. I, let's not call them secrets because they're they're right out there, but they're great programs. If you'd like to get a bit part of that, I think I think it, it really uh, help things. No, I am not going to ever do it on video. Everybody's tried to get me to do this because I've presented it to tens of thousands of Christians and hundreds of churches, but I refuse to put it on video because I believe it's a it's a kind of a living, breathing entity. So if you're interested, just get, just reach us. Uh, and you can support us if you'd like to by going to DougMurinRadio.com. DougMurinRadio.com, and there it guides you to our PayPal. And your support goes to help a team, helps our airtime, and it helps me be able to do these maybe where they can't always afford us. So your help is really appreciated. Or you can send a check to... 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, Washington, W-N-A-T-C-H-E-E, 98801. And yes, that is in the United States. <laughs> Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. So happy you're listening today, and thank you for considering joining our team. For those who do respond uh, and giving gifts for this season, we're giving, I'm going to send you a free book by my dear friend Jamie Buckingham called The Way Through the Wilderness, which is the best book written on the Pentateuch, on the first, the, the wilderness wandering of Israel that has ever been written. I promise you, I don't lie. I'd love to send it to you. So any gift of any size, and I'll get that to you. God bless you as you listen today to the message on love. Christ Jesus was asked one time about the commandments and how Christians relate to the commands of God. Uh, he was asked, uh, according to the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 22 and verse 34, he was asked, uh, by some folks who were listening to him. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, according to Matthew, tested him with this question. He said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in, in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It was by loving God all of the laws fulfilled in our lives. Then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. He says, and the second is like it. Anybody know what it is? What? 
Love your neighbor as yourself. He says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Loving God and loving one another. Uh, And now the Apostle Paul is writing a kind of rowdy bunch of Christians in in, uh, Corinth about the same thing. The necessity of love. The, The pathway of love being the only valid expression of a Christian to live. In fact, one man wrote, and I think it's a great title for this whole chapter, that love is the Christian's vision for others. You might want to write that down. Let's just say that together, okay? Love is the Christian's vision for others. Let's say it one more time. Let it kind of soak in. Love is the Christian's vision for others. When we look at others, we know that that is, that is our vision for them. Uh, and, and Paul's concern here in, in this letter is that these people have been using the gifts of God uh, <clears throat> as, a, as really kind of a bad sometimes, sometimes using it to hammer on other people. Uh, they've been abusive to one another in communion when they'd have uh, communal f- uh, feasts where they would share a meal together and share in the, the bread and the cup. Uh, the you know the the, the more uh, strong people uh, people used to eating more, and evidently apparent in their, their their girth of their body, were shoving other people out of the way, and some of them even getting inebriated in church services, and and it was a mess. And then they'd come to the worship time, they'd start doing worship, and and they'd have a contest, and it gives the spirit. And Paul was really repulsed by their whole approach to church life because it was loveless. And his point was that love is the mark of a Christian. It's the vision of the Christian has for others, but it's also the mark of a believer. And, and love takes a lot of maturity. Does anyone ever read this whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, about ten times in a row? And when you, when you got to reading it, you, you just felt so unworthy, like you really had no business even reading it one more time because you were frankly so bad at what you were reading. How many felt, ever have felt that way? If you, if you want to feel bad, ever go read it with that in mind. You know, it, it really is a great guilt trip. It's, it feels good if you're religious and, and got to feel bad about yourself. This is, a great, this is a great self-esteem crusher, this chapter right here. It's, it's the most awesome section of Scripture. You can't fulfill 1 Corinthians 13 without the power of God. It's impossible. Nobody here has within their ability to live 1 Corinthians 13 without... A heavy-duty, big-time, giant dose of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, it just—it just—it takes Him in us. And Paul was concerned because evidently the Spirit was in their life, but they weren't allowing the avenues of His person to work through them. And I've—I've kind of learned that there, and everything goes on in our life. There's kind of a message the Lord wants to get through, and I—I I think sometimes He lets us discover how loveless we really are, so we'll run to Him, not so we'll feel bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you, ever, have you ever behaved in a way that you knew was awful? In fact, you were a little surprised at really how ugly you could be. You didn't think it was possible. Then you're probably the most wonderful person you know, uh, as I am for me, that, 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 uh, that you're shocked with what, you've, just with what you did. or what can, How many of you have been stunned with how pretty crummy rotten you are? Real, I mean, really, really. And, and then you, were, you really, what took you back is no one else was surprised around you. <laughs> And, 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 and so, 1 Corinthians 13 is a, is a reality check. 
It's, it's a, it's a, it's a come-to-your-senses type chapter, like here is what love is. Now, do you measure up to this? And he's saying, if you want to talk about being charismatic, and you want to talk about being spirit-filled, and you want to talk about the power of God, great, I want to talk to you about it, Paul says, but let me describe to you how the Holy Spirit really is manifest. Now read this, if you do this, you are really filled with the Spirit. I mean, I'm impressed you prophesy, he said. I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm glad that you have the power of God coursing through all ten digits. I'm really impressed. But let me, let me see the caliber of the character of love that's working in your life, and then I'll determine how spirit-filled you really are. That's what he's saying here. Evelyn Underhill, who is one of my favorite writers, she's kind of a mystic, uh, but she writes good stuff. She said once, God comes to people through people. Isn't that a great phrase? God comes to people through people. And, and basically, Paul, in a nutshell, is saying, because... God comes to people only through people. It is essential we know the character of love because we are the only channel He has. He obviously can't work through PA systems and microphones, so He's reduced down to people. He must work through people. People are God's chosen channel of blessing. Not the TV set, not satellites, not airways, but people. God comes to people through people. Now, one of the things that, that we want to look at as we look at this whole issue of love is we want to really face the fact that it's such a, a grand topic, but all of us tonight are the product and have been shaped by everyone who chose to love us or everyone who, and on, on contrast, everyone who refused to love us at this point in our life. Think about that a moment. Go home tonight and think about that. We literally, every one of us, in a very real sense, are the product of the shaping in our life by those who've chosen to love us or by those who refuse to love us. And it'd be nice to say that none of us were affected because someone wasn't loving toward us, but it isn't true. We're shaped by that very thing. And, and yet, wouldn't you agree that you know when people have loved you, they've had the most and greatest impact on your life? See, not only is Paul concerned that we understand how love works because it's the true power of the Spirit, but he's concerned that we know how love works because he knows it's the only permanent influence that a person has on another. That you can have all the insight and all the knowledge you want, but he's saying, baby, it's your love that ultimately will bring influence and impact on others' lives. You can prophesy from now till the cows come home. But if it's without love, he says, it's not going to have any lasting shaping value. The influence will wane. It will be meaningless. In fact, maybe even destructive is what he's saying. The power of love doesn't wear out. It's an eternal flame. It burns. And you can shape lives by choosing to be loving. And that's what he's really saying. That's why a few years ago we decided we would... About 10 years ago, we'd be a congregation that was committed to being loving and accepting and forgiving. Now, that doesn't mean we do it perfectly. Uh, I love what John said in 1 John 4.15. He said, the love of God is being perfected in us. It's a process. I'm, I'm really committed to being a loving, accepting, and forgiving person. I'm, I'm a long ways from being perfect at it. And so are most of you. But we're trying, Right? Uh, we've been listening to a message I uh, probably have presented a number of times over the years and happy that it's freshly coming out now. 
Let me tell you how you can help us with the show. Uh, It does take some resources. We have some generous people who've stepped up and helped us out with a great deal of it. But if you would like to support us, what we have is an offer uh, this month for any who can help us financially. It's called A Way Through the Wilderness, a great book by Jamie Buckingham. And the reason I've chosen this book is, one, Jamie was one of my dearest friends. And I think this is one of the finest books ever written on the Exodus Crossing. It is loaded with tremendous insights that you rarely find anywhere else. And it's a great book. I'm, I'm going to send it to you for whatever gift you can give to help us stay on the air. It's called A Way Through the Wilderness. All you have to do is you can do one of three things. You can either uh, go to our PayPal, which is Doug Murin at PayPal. Leave your address. The book will go out to you. Or you can send any size contribution to Caught on Tape or just Doug Murin to 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, W-E-N-A-T-C-H-E-E, Washington. Get this. Here's the zip. 98801. 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington. Send any size gift with your address. I'll get the book out to you. Or you can go to our website, which is DougMurinRadio.com. DougMurinRadio.com. And you can follow the donation section. And I'll make sure you get that book. It's a tremendous book. Not only will you help me, but I know I'm going to get to help you with this book. So God bless you. We do thank you for your support. If you would like a live radio show outreach at your church, just contact us at any of those numbers. Uh, my email is doug.murin at gmail.com. doug.murin at gmail.com. And we are starting to do some outreaches. I'm not doing a lot of them, but we are starting to do one. I hope you'll enjoy the show, and God bless you. Thank you for your generosity. I want to talk to you about two things we're doing uh, with what we call the Murin Group. Uh, one is the radio show, which is uh, we've had requests to expand. It's a number of cities now, and we're kind of patiently going that way. Uh, but we also are doing schools of evangelism in churches. Uh, we, we find that most churches grow about 200 times better when they evangelize uh, on all respects. But only about 10% of any church are really that great at evangelism. And uh, I like to stretch that to 15. So the school of evangelism is designed to hit, take that 10 to 15% of people in your church and teach them how to share their faith naturally, easily, and fruitfully, I mean, to really pull off convincing uh, people of Christ. You know, I, I read recently in Christianity Today that about one half of uh, younger than baby boomer uh, people in church think evangelism is, in fact, uh, dishonest, unsavory. Uh, 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 I, I looked at that and I thought, nah, it, answers to questions like that all depend on how you ask them. I, I think what they're saying is we're a little mystified by it. We don't know how all this works. We don't know how to posit uh, the gospel to people. I, I was walking downtown. A lot of it starts with prayer. I was walking downtown Seattle one day, and this guy walked up to me, just walked up to me. He said, are, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. You want to be one? And he said, yes. I led him to Christ. He ended up in a local church. So I've learned that a lot of it begins with simple things any of us can do, simply like pray. I mean, really simply knowing how to pray for lost people. So I do that. And then we're also doing live radio shows. I've got some great team members, Caleb, who you hear on the show every once in a while. 
Dr. Alec here Rogers and, and Gary Verrill. And, and these are great shows on either Wednesday night or Sunday night. And uh, people, you know, when I've done them before, people meet Christ in amazing, surprising ways. Bring your friends. And, and so if you want to be in on those, please pray for us as they happen and join us not only with the show. And uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy the message today. And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murray. Now, the question is, how do, you, how do you know when you are expressing your life and love? How do we know as a congregation when we are being loving? Tonight, we're going to find out how. What are the specific characters? And you're going to be surprised how quick it's going to be to fly through it. I find that there are blocks to love. There are elements of false love that have crept into every one of our hearts that either distort or utterly and totally eclipse the shining light of God's power out of our lives. And they're, 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 they're false views of, law, of love and they're, they're distortions of the, of the real McCoy. And, and I thought we might review those before we break into really the true character of love. But sometimes I, I find that when we talk about agape love, we aren't talking about love that is one based on needs. Now there is a place, and that's as we saw last time we studied this whole topic a couple weeks ago, that there's a multifaceted expression of love in our lives, as noted in the various Greek words for love. But when we talk about agape love, we're not talking about a love that is based on the fact that you need somebody. Agape love doesn't work when you need somebody. Uh, agape love is not needs-based love. Now there's a place for having your needs met within the context of love, but agape love does not require that anyone's needs be met for it to take place. Isn't that interesting? Because it's a choice. It's a responsibility. This is the kind of love that Christ is talking about here through, his, through Paul the Apostle. Two, I find that a lot of us are prone to falling in love with the idea of love. We fall in love with the whole idea of love, which we call what? Romanticism or sentimentalism. Sometimes love's tough. How many of you have discovered this? And sometimes love is pretty firm. But if you're falling in love with the idea of love, you've made it sentimentalist and, and romantic, and, and you've removed the real maturity and power of the whole concept, which we'll see in Paul's description is still there very firmly. Thirdly, I find in the church particularly, and, and in a lot of our homes sometimes, we get agape love confused with codependency. Well, what do I need, mean by that? Well, you have the need to be somebody's savior. I, I, I have been associated with a few people who felt it was their job to save me. That they were there to make sure that I didn't get hurt. And when I spot that, I inform them that that is, that is a form of uh, dysfunctionality and I don't need another Savior. I got one Messiah. His name's Jesus Christ. And by the way, I don't intend on being anybody's Savior here. That's codependency. And a lot of times, love in a Christian context, especially in congregations, is a codependent kind of love. We need to be needed. And we look for people who need us so we can feel needed and therefore feel that we have value and we're worthwhile. And that's, that's not true agape love. I'm just telling you, that is not agape love. If you're loving somebody because you have the need to be needed, that stinks. It's ill-motivated and isn't the real McCoy. And the Holy Spirit can never channel God's powerful love through you with that kind of perspective. And I, I'll tell you, it's propagated, and we call it sometimes nurture, Christian nurture. But it's not Christian nurture. Christian nurture is equipping people to live their own life. 
And the church said, Amen. Amen. And usually releasing them to live their own life a little bit before they feel comfortable with the whole idea. Four, sometimes we confuse love with suffocating emotions. Not allowing another person to have their own life or live life for themselves. We sometimes confuse with love. And so we want to take over control of their life. Uh, there was a time in the body of Christ, charismatic sectors particularly, where we called discipleship this kind of thing. We, we applied discipleship in ways that were really manipulative and controlling. And I don't think anybody did that at all because they said, hey, let's come up with a new way to be mean to people in church. I know a lot of people got into that, and they weren't sitting around figuring out ways to, hey, how can we really booger up somebody's life this year? You know, they, we didn't, I didn't ever go to a meeting like that. I've never been to one like that. Usually, really, they want to be helpful. But it's a distorted kind of love. It's a suffocating kind of thing. Well, I'm going to live your life for you, and, and it'll be better. Now, I have no doubt. I can think of right now, without much effort at all, ten people I could live their life better than they are for them. If they would just let me. I know I could. How many of you can, too? Sure. That doesn't mean you get to, or that it is love if you were to try. Uh, and finally, I think the final confusion is that love is a feeling. When you feel good, you're, in, you're, you're expressing love. I just, I just feel good toward this person, so I must be responding agape, with agape love toward them. And, and, and no, you, 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 it could be any number of kinds of attractions. You know, there could be a number of emotions. There, it could be that, that there's just a personal chemistry there. And love can work when there's not a personal chemistry there. You can love somebody that you can't stand. You guys aren't Pentecostal enough tonight for that one. You can love somebody that you can't stand to be around. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And if you confuse with love what's feeling good about them, you're, what's going to happen is, one, you're going to run into some guy that frankly is obnoxious, you know, really annoying to be around, and you're going to say, well, I must not love them because they annoy me. No, they just annoy you. You can still love them, but they are annoying people. Some of you have married these kinds of people. <laughs> and yes, you can still love them. <laughs> In fact, our next series, I'm looking forward to it when we get to it's going to be on Romans 12 to 15. And it's going to be, we're going to call it the friendship factor. And one of the, one of the, uh, one of the uh, messages is going to be on, well, never mind. Well, one of, one of the messages is going to be on living with those difficult friends. And uh, so, anyway. Now, those are all obstacles to love. The, there are at least five of them, I thought of, that became obstacles to the true love that's described here. Now, First Corinthians 13, quickly, verse 4. Paul begins to give us a breakdown as to how you can know when you are manifesting this love. He says it's not a feeling... It's not taking control of another's life. It's a mature response. It's the release of the Christian's vision for others. And here's how you know when you are behaving in a way that is a, can be described as agapic. If it's loving according to the power and dynamic of Christ's love that will influence people for years and years and years and years. How many would like to meet somebody as, as occasionally there must be there, there are one or two running around out there that say, Doug, you, you, the time you spent with me uh, ten years ago has totally changed my life and I'm loving Jesus and I met a couple the other day it's in the ministry the other day so it was because I encouraged them. They came after a service. I encouraged them. I said, you can do it. You guys are great. And, and uh, I feel almost guilty now they're out there pastoring just because I said they could do it and I, and I worry about them. But, but anyway, 
uh, it's quite exciting to know that your life is influencing people. Believe me, you've had that happen to you. All of us have. And it's really a thrilling thing. Paul is saying, if you can act in a way that we're going to talk about the next two, three, four minutes, you will be influencing people for years and years and years. If this congregation is going to influence this community, this action-oriented lifestyle must be engaged in place and working and growing forever, getting more perfected in our midst, or we'll never do that. In fact, I really believe to not live with the primary focus of love would make us an injurious element in our community. There are toxic churches in communities. Wouldn't it be a shame to be a toxic church? To spew unhealthiness out into the community? Wouldn't that be a horrendous thing to be accountable for? I wouldn't want that. I would want to be the kind of church that's gushing out this kind of stuff we're reading here. Love that is healthily transforming people for a long, long time. Okay, here's how we know we're doing that. Number one... When you begin to act patiently, verse 4, love is patient. When you're patient with people, you're being what? Loving. In fact, if I were an ethnic preacher, here's what I would do right now. I'm going to ask you to repeat something after me. In a moment, in verse 8, we're going to find out that you can do a whole bunch of other stuff. You can be smart, you can be good at counseling, you can be brilliant at uh, developing sound systems, all kinds of things. <laughs> but those things all will fail. But what's he say about love in verse 8? Love what? Never fails. And so if I were to say to you, you could go through, you could get 29,000 degrees and you could have five PA systems that work tonight, but they might all fail, but love what? Never fails. Now we're, now uh, strategically in the next few, three or four minutes, whenever I say, but love never, what is your, what are you, what are you going to say? Never fails. But love what? Okay, but love Okay, that's then we got it down. Now I'm, I might start singing uh, the message here in a moment and all of this before we go. Okay, now, love is patient, Paul says. What's he mean by that? Well, when someone is being loving, they've made a decision. They've agreed to suffer. The Greek word here for patience is uh, a form of makthumia, markathumia, which uh, means a decision to suffer, to endure when you very much don't want to endure. It doesn't mean that you're kind of a placid personality. It means that you've chosen to put up with something that you would give anything to not have to put up with. Right? To endure what you really don't want to endure. When you decide to endure what you very much don't want to endure, you've decided to be what? Loving. And that kind of love will never, never fails. You've been listening to uh, this message on love, and uh, you can hear this show and the others in this particular series, or any show, by going to kcisradio.com, and they'll be right there listed on the podcast. Or you can go to our website, which is dougmearnradio.com, dougmearnradio.com, and uh, you can you can catch the shows there on a podcast format, but Krista Radio's ready for you to hit them up and, and listen to it again and pass it around. We'd appreciate it. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 5th Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801, or online at DougMurinRadio.com. 